0: your bibles first corinthians chapter 7 verses 25 through 40 is our focus uh is is our text and our focus is going to be 36 through 38 this is an amazing verse this is just absolutely there are some implications in here that i hope that i have the opportunity to cover if not study it yourself no i <laughs> just kidding uh, i will cover it uh todd's may not get out of denver until monday morning but uh, i'll get it covered <laughs> okay um We've read the context. Let me just read the focus of our text, 36 through 38, knowing that 25 through 40 is what we're dealing with. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly towards his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, and has decided this in his own heart, to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then, Both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. Amazing text. Let's pray and ask the Lord. Father, we come now to seek Your wisdom. We come to seek Your logic. We come to seek Your will in our lives. Father, I ask that now You free us from the entanglements of this world. You free us from bad philosophy. You free us from bad motives. And you free us to understand the power and majesty and your plan that you are bringing to bear. And that, Father, we as loving children would rejoice at what you give us. To your praise, to your glory in Christ. What we're dealing with is a church that's struggling. Okay, we have a church, the the church of Corinth is struggling, and they're struggling with, I taught in my Sunday school class this morning, um, personal sin. And what happens with the personal sin is that I drag in a bunch of my understanding, my wisdom, my philosophy, or my society's planning and philosophy, and I bring it in, I try to mix it with the truth of God, thinking that I'm going to get a pure truth. You don't, you get muddy water. Okay, not only that, you have now opened yourself up personally to doubt. To doubt. And what I mean by doubt, you will doubt God first. I have never seen a human who doubts themselves first and grasps God. We always have a tendency to doubt God first and try to figure out what in the heck is going on. And then when we get enough rope to hang ourselves, God says, are you done yet? And we say yes. And he says, all right, now then, I am faithful. And that's what we're dealing with. And that's what this whole book is dealing with. And what we're dealing with now is the issue of marriage and singleness. And this passage got me. I don't know about the rest of you, But it got me because the implications that I see in verse 36 is the man is the term. It is definitely male in the original language. And it has to do with giving of daughter. It is not parents. Sorry. It is the man and his Direction and instruction to his children. Alright? Just want you to, I won't set that clear right now. Alright? What we're dealing with in the context of chapter 7 is the relationships that exist in humanity. And that relationship is that there's a time when we are single and there's a time when we are married. And we've been dealing with six reasons for remaining single. Verses 25-27, through there's a pressure of society. There is a force, there is turmoil in our society. Present distress, verse 26 says. There is a suffering that Christians will endure in the society in which we're in. And he says, in light of that suffering, I think it's better if you stay single. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit. and He's saying, do you not understand this? Now, this letter is written before there is organized oppression to the church. Nero is still not Caesar, has not taken the, uh, the role of emperor of Rome. But there is religious persecution that takes place mainly from the Jewish communities. So there is some suffering. We looked at this in depth. We looked at the the heartache of the loss of a loved one. We look at the heartache of of bringing two sinful individuals together and trying to have them walk in the oneness that Jesus Christ says we are to walk in. And then we crazily conceive children and we add to the mix. And yet I see many people and some of us in this room are guilty of, Of thinking that if I marry, some of the issues that I am dealing with will be taken care of. They will not be taken care of. They will only be magnified. Jesus Christ is our sufficiency in all things. A spouse will not take care of personal trauma, personal sin, personal wrong thinking problems. So we have the pressure of society. We also have verse 28, the problems of the flesh. Anybody here struggle with their flesh? One. And the, Cynthia, don't you worry. The rest of them, I know, are just lied. <laughs> okay. So they're struggling with their flesh too. All right. But when you struggle with your flesh, is it easier if you have a spouse? You know what's bizarre about being married in flesh? You can be a spiritual giant awoken woken into heavenless and your spouse raises up in the flesh and where do you go? You come crashing out of heaven and usually land head first, face first, right into some very hard object. Your spouse. Okay? But, uh, so, our flesh... Alright, Then we add kids to it. Do any of our children deal with the flesh? Have problems with their flesh? Okay. So if I take my kids' flesh and I take my spouse's flesh and I mix them all together, how easy is it to walk with the king? Does it make it easier? Nah. Uh-uh. So Paul says, stay single. <laughs> okay. We've already dealt with the fact that if you're married, stay married. Alright, <laughs> I don't want everybody running out. I'm making this thing because this is easier. Alright, that's not what he's saying. Alright. Um, the passing world, 29 through 31. Um, I'm just going to look at 31 quickly. For the form of this world is passing away. The word in the Greek is schema. The system of this world is passing away. If you're married now, you will not be married in heaven. If you're single now, you'll still be single in heaven doesn't matter. you have other things to deal with, more more fun. okay? The system that you exist in right now is leaving. It is short. okay Jobs, lack of jobs, wanting jobs, better jobs, younger jobs, older jobs. I don't care. seniority, vacation, retirement. it's all going to pass away. Poof, gone history Kafuta. okay? And that's what he's saying. It's all going to pass away. Why? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what he's dealing with. He says, so, the pressure of society, the problems with one's flesh, the passing of this world. And then last week we looked at 32-35, the preoccupation was with marriage. He says, if you're married, you have a preoccupation and you become divided. You become divided. You become focused on the spouse and the Lord and the spouse and the Lord and the spouse. Now listen, I shared with you last week, that's not wrong. It's not wrong. And I shared with you an illustration of a young couple that I know who just got married and, and have a love for Jesus, but now they're in crisis. And they haven't been married, I think, not even 60 days. Whether to minister in Asia... Or to minister in Africa. She likes Africa. He likes Asia. Okay, so now we have a division. They're divided. There's nothing wrong with it. But there is a struggle there. If you are single, guess what? You're not divided. You're not divided. Okay? Okay. But now I want to take you into something that is just amazing. Okay? Verse 36. The promises of the parents. Okay? At the writing of this letter, in most cases, the norm were what we call, what you would know as arranged Marriages. And they were literally arranged by the Father. Alright? So when Paul's dealing with singleness or marrying, he has to deal with the primary source of marriage or singleness. That would be, please understand what I am going to say. It is the father. Okay? He has to say something to dad. And I've got to be honest with you, I have to hear this. You who are male, you have to hear this. Even if you're single today, you have to hear this. Alright, so it was true of the Roman society of arranged marriages, but if you take Old Testament society, it was the norm. Okay, Old Testament society. What I want to speak of in Old Testament society is anything before John the Baptist. okay. John the Baptist, I believe, was the last true prophet of God from the Old Testament position. Uh, and after that, we move into a new covenant. So, you read this and you ask yourself, arrange marriages and, and the Father is doing, making arrangements and all the rest of it. I thought the mothers did that. Didn't the mothers arrange all of the wedding things? Ain't they the ones who planned the flowers and the decorations? And the guy sits there, the father sits there and goes... What am I supposed to do? You walk her down the aisle. Alright. How in the heck does this play out in 04? We don't have these things. Really? Hear what is being said. Um, here's one of the things I read about Roman history. And this is one of my shortcomings. I know some of you say history. There he goes again. Roman history, of the, or history of the Roman Empire, is one of the books that i was read, Uh, They said that one of the beginnings of the collapse of the Roman Empire was when Roman parents lost the right to counteract the desires of their children to marry. Eubius made this statement, that began the breakdown of the home and that was part of the seeds of the delusion of the whole Roman Empire. Unquote. Try that today. (laughs) Okay? Your child is preparing to marry. Step into that parent and say, I'm not sure this one is right. What happens? I can tell you what happens. It's called nuclear meltdown. (laughs) Okay? But I'm bringing you back to a text in chapter 1 of this letter that says man's philosophy is foolishness in the wisdom of God. Keep that one in mind. At the time of this letter, parents would choose. primarily the father. Um, In Old Testament times, the Jewish background... Um, parents would choose even if they were single parents did you know that Ishmael got married who chose his wife Hagar huh but what about well Abraham was busy <laughs> Abraham says <"Nuh-uh. laughs> I've been down that road I ain't doing no Okay. who chose Isaac's wife Abraham. Did you know that Judah chose Tamar for his son Ur? Did you uh, know that Jacob was told what family to go to to find his wife? I mean, you know, let's be realistic. He was there for seven years and got the wrong one. Which, I'll give you a footnote here, men. If she has a veil, when you're getting ready to marry, look underneath it. <laughs> I know that we have a custom that you don't do it until you get married, but listen. Um, Jacob was had his picked out. They said it was great. work worked for seven years. He didn't look under the veil. And guess what? Oh, oh <laughs> uh, So anyway, that's that just a little footnote for you guys. Alright, check the veil. Alright, but there was always a selection that took place with the family. Uh, I heard a guy preach this one time. He was actually at the funeral of his wife. And he talked about his wife and he was eulogizing her. And I don't even know what that means. But um, he was saying that at the birth of their children, they began immediately praying for who they would marry. At the birth of their children. You know why? I love his illustration. You can't get thoroughbreds if you breed with donkeys. Right? So if you're smart, parents, you need to be praying that you don't get some donkeys. Okay? Stay with thoroughbreds. Why? Because there was a selection of the family. There was a selection of the family. Think about this. We are told not to marry outside of the Lord. Always marry in the Lord. Why? What happens? What happens when your gracious child who is a believer and a fearer of the Lord Jesus Christ marries an unbeliever? Hmm. You know in Russia they kick the child out of the church on behalf of the parent's request. And they are treated as unbelievers. The child is treated as an unbeliever. That's in Russia. Why? Ah, It's biblical. It's kind of weird. I know, it's kind of a strange thing. Why? There's a selection of the family, marrying the family. You know what one of the biggest curses against Israel was under the Old Covenant? They would marry where? Outside of the family. What did you have? You brought Demons into God's chosen people. And what is the norm that happens? Does that saint draw that demonic to God? Or does the saint fall? What's the norm? Saint falls. You don't believe me? The wisest man on the planet earth did what? Married outside of Israel. What happened to him? At his death, the kingdom of Israel was divided. And he was the one given the grace, the privilege to build the house of God. (coughs) And he married outside of Israel and he brought the idols into Jerusalem. Why? I think it's that part where the contentious woman on the roof of the house thing. I, you know, I don't know. Okay, so there's a selection that goes on in the family. How do you keep the family pure? How do you keep the family focused on the things of God? Uh, you see this done by kings and priests. Pharaoh gave a wife to Joseph in Genesis 41. Another Pharaoh gave Hadad an Edomite woman in 1 Kings. So you see it from royalty uh, In Chronicles 24.3, Jonah the high priest, gave two wives to Joash the boy king. Uh, there were no favors done in this gift. Okay? I mean, if a priest is going to give you two wives, you ain't getting no favors. Alright? Whether you're a boy king or not. Alright? So, uh, I just want you to see that there was a pattern that said, let's plan this. Keep that in mind, especially you young people. I can take Justin right now and say, "You know what, Justin? It is better for you to stay single." And you know what Justin's going to say? Amen. Right? Ask Adam right now. Adam, I believe, brother, you need to stay single. Don't date women. What's he going to say? No worries. <laughs> Not an issue. Right? Let me tell you something. It will be. History tells us that around 500 B.C. There was a thing that grew up in the lands of Israel called Shat Khans. You know what they are? Marriage brokers. You guys ain't going to believe this, but I, I, I have seen plays. Okay, have gone to and seen. <laughs> but you was asleep, right? <laughs> Somebody took you in there. I want my favorite is Fiddler on a Roof. Okay, I love that. Okay, have you ever heard this song? Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. You know what that's based on? Shetcons. Why? The theme of Fiddler on a Roof is traditions. And the tradition was the Shetcons. Why? The father would go to the Shetcon, and he would say, I need this, and this, and this, and this, and this. What do you have? And the chat con would go through. Nah, I got one right here. It's really close. Got six out of five, you know, six out of seven, something like that. You know, it works. Will it work? All right, would you like to meet him? Sure. Okay. All right, and you laugh at that. We all laugh at that. Let me ask you a question Why do we have online dating? Why do we have matchmakers? Why do we have singles or us or whatever we've got these days? Why do we have singles groups in the church? Somebody's looking for thoroughbreds and they just opened the gate to a bunch of donkeys. <laughs> Never mind. Just press on. Alright, so you find you a broker, you tell the broker what you're expecting, fill out your little personal identification, I'm this, 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 and this, and I need this, 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 and this. Okay? And you go do this. Now I want to share with you something. Some people believe that Israel's early history, that the bride and the groom had absolutely nothing to say about being married. You know, dad kind of worked out a deal. They went back, they had some cigars and sat in the back, what you got to offer for my daughter, da da da, da, da. That works good. Oh, dear, come here. Have I got a deal for you? Um, I don't believe that. Okay? Um, I believe that they had some choice in the matter, the bride and the groom. First Samuel 18.20, Michael, Saul's daughter... Anybody remember Michael? Anyway, I guess not. Read your Old Testament. Uh, Michael, Saul's daughter, said that she went up to daddy. And she said, Daddy, I love David. You know what Saul said? He said he was pleased. And he gave David his daughter. Based on what? She loved David. OK, um, you know, I think about that illustration is a woman who is in love with a man and the, and the father has gives consent. And I don't believe it's out of ordinary. Um, um, I, I don't believe that at, on the marriage festival that this was this great surprise. <laughs> Okay, Bingo! Uh-oh. Um, uh, even though the family, and I, I'm going to use families, was uh, arrangement. Uh, I believe it was the norm. I believe that there was the consent of the children. Consent of the children. And the reason that I say that, and, and, and I give you Michael, but when I read the Song of Solomon, um... Man, there is an expression of tremendous love in that text that I can't see us overriding this overpowering love for one another between two people. Uh, and, and I, I believe that, it, uh, that that it's more than just a marriage of convenience. Uh, I believe that there was the relationship involved in it. The will, um, I believe the will of the couples were involved. Um, Another text in Genesis twenty four fifty seven, uh, the bride was brought to Isaac, and they asked her, Rebecca, would you have this man? Okay, uh, and her response was, uh, sure. Okay, so I, I see a a, a decision. Um, that has taken place on part of the, the, the children. Um, so when I think about this text in particular, um, and I think about Rebecca being part of the decision, I think about Michael being part of the decision, um, there is an involvement between the parents and the children uh, in some way. Um, there may be at times in Scripture when the decision was overruled. It was overruled. And I keep this one in mind. Judges 11. Yeah, Judges 11. uh, Jephthah is in the middle of whooping up on some Amorites. And it's kind of in one of those, I'm not sure this is going to go either way. And so he gets on his knees before God and he says, God, if you give me the victory over the Amorites, when I get home... The first thing I see, I will consecrate to you, God, whatever it is, whatever I own. So he gets the victory over the Amorites and he comes riding back home and guess what's the first thing he sees? His daughter. Well, to consecrate something in the Old Testament means you slit its throat, you bled it, and you laid it on the brazen altar and burned it up. Well, you're not going to get a priest to offer human flesh to God but he had to keep his vow to God right and so he takes his little lovely daughter and says guess what (laughs) me and God made a deal and you're part of the deal you can't marry you must remain a uh, a virgin you know what she did she took six friends and went to the mountains for two months and cried (laughs) okay (laughs) okay <laughs> as a father I'm not sure I want my daughter to go to the mountains and cry because of the decision I made because she will make my life miserable because uh, she'll come down from the mountains still crying um, uh, so I understand that. that that's the stupidest of making a vow I guess uh, the other thing is is you know, in Israel today virgins will take is it four days three days four days four days a year and they weep for Jephthah's daughter. Kind of interesting. Which is better than two months. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's look at our text. Okay, if any man thinks he is acting unbecomingly towards his virgin daughter, okay, what's he saying here? Um, what is Now keep your context. Acting unbecomingly. What is the normal thing that happens uh when you're, you're, as a man, when your daughters get to a certain age, finish their education, all the rest of it, your question is, who are they going to marry? This text flies in the face of this. This man's first thought of his daughter is not, who's she going to marry, but can she remain single? Why? Maybe this father's been around long enough, he's gained a handful of gray hairs, and he looks at it and says, you know what, the pressure of our society and the powers that are working against the bride of Christ right now, you would be better off single. Perhaps this young man that the daughter has just uh, uh," swooned over, the man knows him well enough, or knows of him well enough, that he says, you don't want to be mixed up with this. So when it says he's acting unbecomingly, he's saying... Be careful. Perhaps you would be better if you were solely and wholly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ in every breath of your being. Hmm. Uh, He uses an age, uh, 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 a chronological term there in verse 36. She is past her youth. Okay. The literal Greek there, I can't say it, it's about that long. Literally means she's a sexual maturity. Okay, that's a little term there. And he says, She's come to that point, and yet you are convinced that marriage is only temporary, father. You look at it and you say, Sweetheart, you're putting too much emphasis on this relationship. Perhaps you'd be better off single, encumbered without the things of this world, um, committed to singleness, committed to focus on Christ. Uh, and it's like I said, if I ask Justin or Adam, uh, and they will agree. Okay? But I can guarantee you this, as I can take my next breath, that will change. That will change. Think about this. A woman who was never able to have a child. Couldn't have a child. Her husband married another woman and she had all kinds of babies everywhere. This lady went, well, that's basically what it says. Um, She went to the temple of God and prayed. You know what her prayer was? If you give me a child, I will give you that child. Guess what? Boom! She got Samuel. As soon as he's done nursing, guess what happens to her? She gives the child away to the high priest, and the high priest raises Samuel. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like that would be a little harder than you know not having a kid, but I, that's just me. Um, Why? Because the focus was the will of God, not the will of the child, nor the will of the parent. The will of God overrode everything. How many of us are doing that today? Take your little note thing I put in your bulletin spiritual checklist and you'll probably figure it out real quick. But she understood that. And that's what this father is doing. He's saying, you know what? As I look at what's going on around me, I am more concerned right now about the will of God than you, my child. If that child comes to the age of sexual maturity, and you find out that that child... Doesn't have the gift. She wants to be married. She has a desire to be married. That impulse is there. That normalcy. The father must realize at that time that even the vow that they made before God. Now now I want to take you back to Judges 11. Understand something here. That even that vow I made, Lord, this child that you have given me, I commit unto you. But the child isn't gifted. (laughs) Paul said it's all right for him to marry. And you know what? The father's not in trouble for making a vow that his heart was in. But God, the Spirit of the living God, gives the spiritual gifts as the Spirit of the living God deems necessary. And if the child doesn't have the gift, then it's fine. It's fine. That's what Paul says let him do what he wishes, and he does not sin. Why? Right, you can look at your child at some point in time and say, you know, it's not fair for you to stay single. Why? And it's easy, guys. This isn't a complex thing. If your daughter comes home going like this, and all she wants to talk about is this guy, guess what? Dad, you need to go out and find out who this guy is. You know, I tell my daughter, my daughter calls and says, Dad, I met a man in school. And I said, all right. She said, I. I don't even remember what his name was. (laughs) Um, And she says, is it all right if we... Now, this is college. This isn't high school. She says, is it all right if we was dating? I said, yeah. And I said, but there's one thing I want you to tell that young man. And she says, what's that? I said, tell him that your father can hit a pumpkin at 500 yards with iron sights. Don't hurt my little girl. All right? I'm not sure what the biblical precedence for that is. (laughs) But it is definitely the heart of a father. (laughs) All right? So if you're out on a date one time, I remember Dr. MacArthur talking about his daughter going out and dating. He says, what I want you to do, he says, no problem. He says, I want you to take your Bible with you. And she says, well, I, I will. I will. She says, no, you don't understand. When you guys are out driving, he says, I want you to set... There in the car, and I want your Bible between you and him. Why? He says, "Well, because that guy's got to get over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Paul before he gets to my daughter." <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that'll work. Okay. There comes a time, you know. I my kids ask me occasionally. They used to. They don't even ask me no more. They ask me, says, "Dad, what do you want for Christmas?" I always give them the same answer. You know what it is? You be abandoned to God. That's all I want. My kids abandoned to God. Do you understand abandoned? Okay, I use that word specifically. There's a reason I use that word. When you abandon ship, how much of you stay in the boat? Okay. So, when I ask my kids, the only thing I want for Christmas is you be abandoned to God. I don't want you anywhere but with God. In God. Immersed in God. Hang with God. Walk that way with God. Just stay there. Okay. So Paul says there in verse thirty-six, she passes her youth, and if it must be so, is the term that is used. He she has reached the age of sexual maturity, and it is consuming that child. Okay, in your Bibles, if you have the word daughter there, it should be in italics because the term that is used, virgin, is gender neutral. So he's saying if you are a virgin, you have a virgin child. So I want you to understand this. It says that the father has this decision over his children, period. Children, how many of you, when you're making decisions, ask your dad what he thinks? Do you understand that one of the most serious relationships you will ever step into, you should fervently seek the counsel of your dad? I know, son. of you don't know my dad. No, but I know my Bible. And do you know that the spiritual progress of your scriptures... Is validated that it is considered And the will of God is directed How in the household? Who is the spiritual leader Of every single home? But what if he ain't saved? Guess what? Still is Still is why uh, well, God said oh, I'm going to do there really that ain't my God but what if my father is a what if he is God can't deal with that either please people God says I have a plan this is how I accomplish my plan I will not change in my plan this is what it will look like in my plan and if you're smart you'll follow my plan Perhaps, dubious, saying that when the parents no longer could contradict the marital wishes of their children, which was the decline of the Roman Empire, perhaps America should pay attention. But he says here that, that let them, it's a nice idea. If they, It's a nice idea to commit your child wholly and solely to God. It's wonderful to, to have your children devoted to the things above, to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. That's wonderful, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. But if I, God, haven't gifted them for that, don't make them go to the mountains and cry for two months. <laughs> because they will come back. Because there's another thing in here that it's a little bit amazing that I think we should pay attention to. Um, and I, I'll pick this up again. Um, then it is the Father's responsibility, verse 37, end of it, to keep His own virgin. Guess where they live? It is the Dad's responsibility... Take care of the kid. Okay, we'll, we'll pick that up in a minute, alright? So, Paul is saying, you know what? If you, Father, believe in light of... And context, I'll give you the, the first four reasons to say single. And the Father looks at that and says, man, that's, that is right. That is amen and amen. Absolutely, I can see these things. And we say to our children, I would prefer that you stayed single. But the child has not been gifted by God. Okay? This goes kind of back to that... that Do you understand we're not... When Jephthah made the vow thing, God, give me this victory, and I'll give you whatever, I'll consecrate to you whatever I see first. Um... (laughs) That ranks right up here with stupid, to be honest with you. Um, well, it does. Uh, I would have just laid to the fact that said, you know what? God says we're going to get this land, so Lord, let me hand the victory, all right? Uh, but anyway, uh, we're not in the age of vows anymore. Did you know that? Do you know, Father, if you make a vow that I'm going to have my kids and they're going to be consecrated to you, that I'm not under a vow, Okay? Well, how can you say that? I thought God was unchangeable. Well, He is, but Jesus made it this clear. Let your yes be a, and your no be a no. Okay, I don't need to go swear on the temple. I don't need to swear on the altar of the temple or the Bible or any of these other things. My yes is a yes, my no is a no. Okay, as a parent this day, I would prefer my children all stay single. my children know that why the first four points okay um and i have given my children to the god, to my god to our god they're yours lord um and if they marry they marry uh they're not gifted um But they will have some serious hoops to jump through. Anyway, okay? We parents may make desires uh, for our children. But i got to go back to that they stay single, they serve the Lord, that they do whatever, that they... Pursue the kingdom and his righteousness. But you know, I find it interesting that the first thought of this father is to be single and is not to marry. That's interesting in our society today. Don't you think that's interesting? God leads through the father's decisions process. Did you know that? But what if he ain't saved? God still leads to the decision processes of the Father. But my Father won't ever make a decision. God still leads to that decision processes. I see women today who will say, We won't make a decision, so I will. You just absurd absurded the plan of God. Okay, And that's fine, but just be understanding you reap what you sow. I, don't, I ain't worried about it. I've had people seek my counsel and watch them walk away from it and say, it's fine. But what if... <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. If you want to argue with it, take it up with the author. I'm not going to argue with the author. The author says, I have a plan. I stated it in Genesis. Guess what? It ain't changed. But you just don't... Yes, he does. Okay, which leads me even more to the fact, don't marry an unbeliever. Especially if you're a woman. Guess what? You now are following a follower of Satan. Sign me up. Okay, and you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems like you ain't never ever dreamed of. And if you don't believe me, I have some people I'll turn you on to who are married to unbelievers and they will tell you exactly the same thing. Okay? So, when children come to the parent and say, I'm in love. Okay? What is the driving issue behind that? There's a driving force that is behind that affection. It's emotion. I already dealt with emotion, didn't I? What am I supposed to do with emotion? Hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. How many of you young people today can say that you hold your emotions loosely? My emotions don't master me. Okay? I lead my emotions. Okay, so all of a sudden you meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. What's the driving force behind Mr. or Mrs. Wright? I know what it is. The animal has not changed, and I guarantee you the driving focus that is behind that is not the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey. I ain't never seen it. Why? I think this person can do what? But we like so many things together. Like what things? You ever ask yourself that question? What do we like together? You know, I ask young people when they're getting ready, they want to get, we to do their marriage. One of the questions I always ask them, you pray together? Well, that's just kind of weird. Hmm. You need to deal with that. Why? You are to pray without ceasing. If the two are to become one, what should you be doing? Praying without ceasing. Let me tell you something. If you're taking two sinful people who have this flesh problem that rises up, you'd better be praying. And listen, if you're coming together thinking you want to date, but you can't pray together, you've got a serious problem. You should be praying together before you ever date. Why? Who's the focus? Man, I'm telling you. The picture, the number one picture that hits, or the number one reason to marry is that it needs to be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's the number one reason in my soul to marry. How many of us date with that thought? Okay? So, if I'm not dating on that principle, what am I dating on? And you know what? We do this really cool thing. Now, I'm bringing this to 04 now because we're talking about arranged marriages and all the rest of it. Okay? I'm bringing this to 04 now. You know what? I have run into a few people who went and asked dad, Can I have your daughter? Okay? And dad said, What's in it for me? <laughs> nice. Does that mean I don't have to pay the insurance and really? Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now I'm gonna cut this thing two ways. That's great. I'm gonna use the daughter to start with, I'll use the son in a minute. That's great, guys, if you're willing to go to the father of that young woman and say, Can I have your daughter's hand? That's wonderful. Dad. Do you know if that man saved? Let's be realistic. Let's, let's be honest with each other. If you're a man today, would you take your daughter and tie her to a demon worshiper in a lifelong covenant? Would you? Anybody do that? Well, no. How do you know if he's saved or not? Because if he's not saved, guess what? He's a follower of Satan. I wouldn't do that with any of my children. Okay, how do I know whether they're saved or not? Bummer, huh? Well, I'll give them a dispensational test and find out if their foundations are in the. What? No. You know what you're going to do? You're all of us going to suddenly grab that young man and say, me and you are going to hang out together until I'm comfortable. Okay? And then when I'm comfortable, we get a thumbs up. But I need to meet your daughter. You're going to meet me first. Why? Because if you ain't saved, I guarantee you walk with me long enough, I'm going to know it. Okay? Same thing with your son. I met this woman. I met this girl. Okay? In my case, I'm going to have my wife go hang with her. Sweetie, I got somebody I want you to torment. Okay? Call me when we get a resolution. Why? Do you not understand what we're looking at here? When we think about the arrangement of families, do you not understand the spiritual implication that is drawn together in the covenant of marriage? It is a picture of Jesus Christ and God the Father. I only want to enhance that and make the glory and the majesty and the exaltation of my King shine brighter even in those that God has graced me with. So when I arrange this, I am making... It's not that, I don't know, are they rich? Has the man got a good job? Is he, you know, da-da-da, is the girl, what is he? You know, whatever. That ain't the issue. The issue is, is she she, a committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the question. That's the issue that the Apostle Paul's in on here. Why? Because the parent has a promise. Why? I want to show you the next text because we have to look at this. Look what he says here. 37. But he, okay, who would he be? That would be the Father who stands firm where? He's saying, you know what? Let me give you the terrible vernacular. Something rotten in Denmark here. And I think you need to say single and I don't believe that this is the one. And I am going to stand firm in my heart. Now the child can do this wonderful thing. We call it eloping. Okay? And if the child wants to do that, please don't come crying to your Father and say, but he or she is terrible, and they don't do it. Why? You disobeyed the will of God, directed to you by your father. Reap what you sow. And you know what's killing the church today? Kids ain't listening to mom and dad. You know what? We got young people. I got younger people. I think about you guys uh, Elizabeth, Matt, Lanny, Allie. Uh, don't go seek your counsel from someone your age. I don't care how godly they are. Go with somebody who's got a proven track record. Why? Look where they've been. Look what they've experienced. Look what they suffered. Hear what they say. Well, but I just don't think that. Great. Duck. We sing this song in the conclusion of our service. It says, we are all the what? Family of God. You know what? Some of you act like it. Like the normal, what do they call it? Nuclear American family. I'm in this thing for myself and I'm going to use you for whatever I can get. Because we're family. That ain't the song. The family of God says, you know what? You got a problem, you got an issue. I'm going to pick you up, I'm going to carry you until God, in His grace and His mercy, allows you the strength to walk by yourself. And then you're going to be ready to pick and carry somebody else. How many of us in this room right now seek counsel from brothers and sisters in Christ for decisions in life? Just curious. Just ask yourself that question because that's what he's saying here. Sometimes the father sees something. Sometimes the father in the power of the living God through that father says, you know what, there's a decision here that isn't God glorifying, that isn't God exalting. And I'm thinking, time out, let us regroup. But what is the driving emphasis behind marital relations? Let's get married. What is it? And I said it's emotion. And emotion is the most powerful force you're going to deal with in your life. And when your dad says, I think your emotions is wrong, what's your response? Every single time. What does dad know? I mean, he's been married for how many years? That's what dad knows. Why? He's been married for many years. <laughs> All right? Listen, I'm not against emotions. The scripture is not against emotions. But let me tell you something. If the driving force in my life is emotions, you're headed for a cliff. And you ain't even going to know it when you drive off the thing. You ain't going to know it. So that's that other side, the father's decision. God leads to that father, but he doesn't understand my father. Yeah, he does. You know why? God understands that father. Why? He put you in that family. He didn't. Oh wow, the stork delivered one, and I wasn't ready. You believe that your parents were an accident? I just woke up. And, oh shoot, I didn't choose here. What was God thinking? No, why weren't you listening? Why? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. To draw your children... I'm going to go back to men right now in the leadership class. You've got to understand this. You are the spiritual leader of your family, period. You will stand before God and give an account for the direction of the spiritual direction of your family. Period. Period. I don't care. You don't get an option. You can't, well, you know, my wife a little more exerting and, you know, more outgoing. It don't matter. It don't matter. God says you are responsible for the spiritual condition of your family. Now listen, I can make spiritual decisions for my family. And I do. Right? And I can say to my kids right now, I would prefer that they stay single. But I can also say this, if they haven't been gifted, I'm going to be sensitive to that. But I am going to say this, just because you quote unquote fell in love doesn't mean that's the one God has for you. And I will never be content until I see a pattern of holiness in that child. Okay, now then, that child can get up and say, oh, I'm going to antelope, I mean elope. <laughs> you shoot antelopes, don't you? <laughs> okay, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I know. And, and, and you know what, and that child goes off and, and, and runs, and my kids got the warning today. You run off and you go ahead and get married, don't come crying to me. Because I know right off the bat, if you're willing to go do that, then you're willing to rebel against what God has said. And guess what? You're already in rebellion. It might be the right woman, right, right man. But if you're going to do it your way, in the po- your power, guess what? Knock nope, yourself out. Don't come to me. Okay, now I'm not saying that to be mean, but I know when a person rebels against God that I like to stay kind of clear of it. Okay, in case the hailstones or lightning and things, I'm, I'm just not into that myself. Okay, I taught that in my Sunday school class today. The scourging of God, the chastening of God, only hurts for some time. He will scourge those He loves. You know what scourging is? Ripping the hide off. Okay, I'm just not into that. <laughs> okay, they scourged Jesus before they crucified him. Same word. Okay, God will rip the hide off of His disobedient children. Okay, I'm not into that. Look what he says. Let's conclude this thing out. So then, verse 28, 38, sorry. So then, he who gives his own virgin in marriage does well. He who does not give her, do better. (laughs) Grab that for a second. I I just thought about this. (laughs) Wayne did this in a conference and it was confusing. Take that text right now, kids. I want, to, I want to talk to the single kids here. I got Amanda and Jennifer, and Jim and Josh and Adam. And I want to talk to you, Shay, not CJ. All right. I want to talk to you, Elizabeth, Matt. I want to talk to you for a minute. okay? You're cruising along. You're out with your buddies or your girlfriends. Do girls call their girlfriends buddies? I don't know. I've been out of the loop for a while. Um, and you're cruising along and you meet somebody and they're kind of cool and all the rest of it and your friend says well why don't you marry why don't you get married and this is your answer my dad says I should stay single how will that go over in our society today how does it go over in your heart now Does it just sort of make you want to come to attention? You want me to, what? Does it? Interesting thought, isn't it? Why? What is dividing this church in Corinth? The wisdom of man versus... The wisdom of God. Paul concludes verse 39... If you do not give her in marriage, will do better. Okay? If they get married, that's good. If they stay single, what? What does it say? Ooh. Now then, everybody walk out here today and you run into your buddies and you say, you know, what about that dude you was dating or that woman you was dating and all the rest of it? And you says, well, I just got done hearing, and it says that my daddy says I shouldn't get married, so I'm probably not going to get married. Okay? And what's going to be your friend's response? I guarantee it's going to be similar to what's kind of going through you right now. I mean, I don't know the heart of men, but I know men. <laughs> and they're like, oh, man you don't understand oh yeah I do but you have no idea how much I do I do understand and I understand that disobedience with something this small permeates your relationship with Jesus Christ and then guess what happens It affects me. Your sins, your rebellion to God affects me. Every single day. Interesting text, isn't it? note here it says parents of both sides should agree that they should be married you know what's amazing is how many times are two families going to come together and I mean the parents how many times can I tell for sure that the parents of that child are saved can I just meet somebody and say "Oh, they're saved why they went to church <laughs> you know 15 years ago if a person was struggling in their lives our normal response was, you know what you need to find a church to get into you know what I can't say that today I'm afraid to tell people to go to church. We who are here today, who are parents, we should realize that God may want some of our children single. We should talk to them about being single. The potential for serving God, if they're gifted that way. If I stand fast... And the singleness, I am doing well before God. God says I'm doing well. God wants some single. God wants some married. My question to you all today, and I conclude, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've asked you this the last couple of weeks, and we all sit there and smile and Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. How about you? You personally. God's will, period. First and foremost in everything I do. Think. God's will. You know, the greatest man in the Bible? No greater man has been born of woman than that man. You know who that was? John the Baptist you know why one single characteristic made him the single greatest man born a woman you know what it was I must decrease he must increase that is not human nature you know what he's saying not my will yours some of you I've talked to about in private and I'm going to close to this okay? because we've got to really grab a hold of this Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane three times he said what a different cup is there a different way to get this done now let me ask you a question did Jesus not know No. He knew they had to plan for redemption before they ever made creation. How can you say that? You were chosen when? When? Before the foundations of the earth. So He knew the saved people before He created creation, which tells me if He's got to have some saved people, He's got to get them from something, huh? But He says, not... My will, yours be done. Let me ask you a question: Anybody, any of you been to the garden? Have you been to the garden of Gethsemane, crushed, knowing God's will and saying, "You know what? My heart is crushed because I have been exercising myself in my own desires, my own wills, but not my will. Yours be done." I know your plan and I have shook my fist at your plan. Break me, crush me. I walk from this garden, not my will. Yours be done. Those of you who heard this message today who are single and thought, well, I just don't think they understand my daddy. My daddy don't think God and da 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 da, da and all the rest of it. Let me explain something to you you are standing in the garden of Gethsemane saying, God, this is your will and I don't care. Because I think this will be better. You know what? Jesus could have gone into the garden and said, You know what, Father? I know what the plan is. (laughs) We're not going to do it that way. And He had every right to do that. And guess what? You and I, would be eternally damned. And he would be absolutely correct in doing it. But he didn't do that. He said, I want your will, Father. Okay? So men, you will walk from this place today knowing that the spiritual direction of your home is solely and wholly on your shoulders. Okay? Family. You will walk from this place knowing that the men, the fathers of your life, God has put there to direct you spiritually. I would really suggest that you each begin praying for one another. Fathers, that you would walk in a manner worthy of your calling. You who have to submit yourself to that man's leading God God would make those men fear you more than anything else in life. Let's pray. Father, we come now before you to say we do want your will. We desire your will. Father, your ways are so overwhelming. Your purposes just still stagger. Yeah, Father, your plan marches on. (laughs) Father, I lift up the men of this fellowship. Father, may they bow in humility to the direction that you give. Father, that they seek your face. Father, that we would seek your purpose, that we would be so sensitive to your spirit, we would neither turn left nor right. We would stop when your spirit stops, we would go when your spirit goes. We would not be ahead of you, we would not be behind you, we would be with you. Father, those who have to come under submission of men, the men of God, may it be men of God that directs them. But Father, may You put in their hearts a heart to follow, a heart submitted not necessarily because of the person, but because of You. This is Your plan, Lord. This is Your desire, Lord. Father, we wish Your will. We seek your face, and Father, we seek your promise that you will complete in us that that you have called us to. And Father, may we give you the glory and praise in Christ and Christ alone. Amen.